Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is the adult Sunday school combined electives this morning. Uh, we're going to anticipate having a bunch more adults come in in a little bit. They're downstairs with their kids. If I don't think there's anybody here with any small kids, but they're, they're just getting their Sunday school classes uh, introduced, and then the parents are all going to come up and join us here probably in about 10 minutes, uh, so we can just anticipate a little bit of a, a flood of other folks coming in. Uh, my name is Clint Humphrey. I'm the senior pastor here at Calvary Grace Church. We're really excited that uh, we're beginning our Sunday school season, as it were. Uh, we take a hiatus through the summertime, and now uh, we're back to having Sunday school again. And what we're going to do in this, uh, this time uh, here uh, before the main service is we're going to, I'm going to introduce to you the two electives uh, that we offer this fall. And the first is called Living as a Church, and the second is our Baptism and Gospel Partnership class. So I'm going to introduce both of those. And uh, we'll just talk a little bit about them, and it might make it a little bit interactive and put you on the spot just to wake you up early this morning. Uh, But to begin with, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord's help as we start. So would you join me as we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, as we gather here this morning on this uh, beautiful day, we, we are mindful that it is the Lord's Day. We gather on this first day of the week because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, and we commemorate and celebrate his resurrection today. Holy Father, I ask that as we learn together, as we uh, talk through what it is to believe in Jesus Christ and what it is to be members one of another, to be partners together in the gospel, I ask, Lord, that you would instruct us, not just by word only, but also by your Spirit. We pray that you would guide us and that as we think through where we stand before you, uh, that you would, you would do a deep work in our hearts, that you would illuminate our understanding, and that you would bring glory to yourself. So we pray, Lord, that you would minister to each one of us here now. Do this for the honor and praise of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Paul, writing to this church in what would be uh, in modern Turkey, in Asia Minor, the church at Ephesus, he has many exhortations to this church, and the book of Ephesians actually is, is is a key book that's used in the Living as the Church class. But this is one verse that, um, without giving the whole class away, there was other key verses that I'll leave for further, for further classes down the road. But this, this verse, I think, actually for me at least, encapsulates what we're trying to do with these classes. And it says this in Ephesians 
Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members one, one of another. And so that's, that's what we want to think through here this morning as we start. And so first off we see, well, there's this need to put away falsehood. Uh, we're coming for the cause of truth. We're coming to think about truth together. That's what we're doing. We want to be a people of truth. But if, you're, if it's truth and not falsehood, there's this putting away of the falsehood, which is, a, which is just another way of saying there must be repentance. So we are a people who are turning away from falsehood or putting it away and wanting to seek the truth. And that's just a great description of, of the turn that's required in repentance. We want to be people of the truth, people of honesty, people of transparency. So we put falsehood away. We turn from it. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you, not just the pastor, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. So this, this call, this summons, this requirement to be a truth teller, to speak the truth. So if you've been at your workplace this past week or maybe with extended family and the issue of Jesus or religion or something has come up, then probably you've been in a position to be a truth teller, to say something true over against things that are misunderstood or things that are false, to be a truth teller. And we all might tell the truth to people outside, people who don't believe in Jesus Christ or that sort of thing, but we also need to tell the truth to each other. Even in the gathering of the church, amongst people who profess Jesus Christ, we need to be truth tellers even with the person that's the neighbor with you in your pew, the person who is in this ministry together. And, and, and it's more than that. It's not just, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I just want to be someone who's you know, telling it like it is. You know, that's my personality. It's actually more than that. It's actually truth-telling specifically in the body of Christ because, and this is the qualification for his use of neighbor here, he's not necessarily talking about neighbors out there, but actually the neighbors in here. For we are members of one another. We all belong to each other. We are all interconnected with one another. So the desire then for me to personally turn from falsehood and to speak the truth is also the desire that others in our community would turn from falsehood and seek the truth and be open and transparent and honest and all doing that before the face of God. So, so, there's, so it's in my interest to tell you the truth. You know, you know that that's... That's a good and healthy thing. It starts looking like some parents are starting to, you know, slowly wander in as they've released their children. I see that they're just, and there's a look of relief on their faces as they walk in. 
They're coming in relaxed, bringing coffee. It's, it's uh, this little reprieve. Oh, no, they, they love their children so much. They're all tore up. Um, we're very thankful for the volunteers who can, who can teach our children. But we care about one another, right? We care about one another. And we care enough about each other that we want to speak the truth to each other. You know, and, and that, it's, it's not always easy. But if I'm turning from falsehood, then it enables me to speak the truth. If you're turning from falsehood, it's easier then for you to speak the truth. And then as you speak the truth to me, well, that's helping me to be clearer. Come on in. You, all parents, come on in. Uh, if you speak the truth with me, that helps me to put away falsehood. Because sometimes, as we all know, we can be self-deceived. We can have falsehood that we're holding on to, but we just, we haven't really seen it as such. We haven't been aware of it. We haven't understood it as such. But when someone else can see things in our life that we, we just weren't clear about, then it gets exposed, it gets brought into the light, and then we can put away falsehood. So that's, that's kind of what, what this class, the Living as the Church class, yep, come on in, uh, that's what the Living as the Church class is all about. It's all about how do you live in a community that speaks the truth in this way, as a truth-teller, where we're forsaking falsehood together and we're telling the truth to each other together and we're doing this because we're mutually connected one with another. And so that's, that's kind of then the living as the church class. And I would just summarize it then as we are a repenting community of sinners. So it's not sinners just carrying on with their falsehood. No, no, we're sinners, yeah. But we're a repenting community of sinners. We're turning. We're, we don't, the, the sins we've committed, we don't want to commit anymore. We want to turn from falsehood and stop doing it. Then there might be other sins that get exposed. Well, then we're going to repent of those. So insofar as we're sinners, yes. But we're a repenting community of sinners, forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, who tell each other the truth because it's good for us and good for each other, and we care about each other deeply. So that's my little summary. We care. One of the things you'll find, maybe you've had this experience, I've seen this, that unfortunately in some churches, it does, whether they're evangelical churches or churches that claim the name that are not evangelical, what you'll find is that they won't, they won't actually tell you the truth about the falsehood. And you can kind of carry on in false living and, no, and nobody will say anything. And in fact, if you bring something up and say, well, I think we should say something because this, this, this is bad. This is false, the way this, this person is living or what they're believing. It's like, oh, no, no, you can't say anything. Don't, no, don't say anything. And what happens is in those contexts, it actually is very unloving. And this is one of the strange phenomena of our, of our culture today, that, that truth-telling to help people get away from falsehood, to repent from falsehood, truth-telling is viewed as unloving, and affirming falsehood 
it, that's, that's supposed to be the loving thing to do. So what we're arguing for is exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. We want to speak the truth in love. We want to tell the truth, which is a loving thing to do. And so we're a repenting community of sinners, forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, who tell each other the truth because it's good for us, it's good for each other, and we care about each other deeply. Now, sometimes, sometimes we can care so much for each other, we can really, really be, be in each other's business, right? And if you're like me, I don't like everybody being really in my business, you know, but if, I, if, if there's people in this community who love me enough, if they see things that I'm doing, they will love me enough to ask, hey, you know, how's it going? What, what's, what's going on with you? Like, what's, what's happening? And, or if they see that I'm struggling, well, then they're going to pray for me. That's how they're going to be truth-telling. They're going to be praying for me. They're going to be following up on me. Um, and, and that's what happens. And, and I would just say that in this church, that is one of the features that I think God has done, uh, and it's been of His grace, that this community, this church, has become a church where people love each other enough to speak the truth and love to each other. Sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable, but most of the time, it's just, it's just so welcome that people are glad. They're glad to have somebody, you know, spur them on in that way, to, to help them and encourage them in that way. So then the living as the church class practically is then how to function in a church full of sinners. So everybody's a sinner, right? Might be redeemed, forgiven, you know, going to be with you know, Jesus forever, but, but a sinner still in the flesh. But how to function in a church full of sinners, sinners who have various cultural psychological, even theological differences. Now, this church has a, a certain baseline of common theological convictions, but um, we can have differing, even some theological differences. But think of like the different cultural backgrounds that are expressed even in this gathering. All kinds of different cultural backgrounds. Urban and rural, uh, from different nations, all, all kinds of different language groups, whatever it might be. So you got those differences, and then you've got all the, let's call them the psychological differences or personality differences. you got, you know, the, the people that really run hot, and you've got the people that really run cold. And you've got, you know, people that are, you know, busy and people that are laid back. And you've got people that are kind of into everything, and you've got people that, you know, are pretty oblivious to everything. Right? Well, if you're... And everybody's kind of looking at each other because they're like, <laughs> husbands are looking at their wives and like, oh yeah, that's you. <laughs> and he's like, that's you. Uh, you know, so even in marriages, there's that. Um, and then how do you get along in a marriage or in a friendship or whatever? Well, how do you get along in a church? So that's living as the church. That's kind of then the idea of, of then what this, this elective is about. And so that's kind of what's going to be explored. And there's going to be three questions 
that living as a church is going to introduce. And, and Pastor Rob is going to teach the next one next, next Sunday that he's going to get into this and, and the other pastors with him who will join him. But uh, three questions. First, God has called Christians to be with him forever, but for a time he's left us in this world gathered into local churches. That's the a, that's a first point. The second point is he's chosen us to use our life together in churches as the primary method of displaying his glory. The primary method, key point. And then thirdly, just the fact that we are sinners. So how do those three mesh together? If we're sinners and the primary method of God's display of his glory is through the local church, and we know we're going to be with Jesus forever, but we're, we, we still live in this crooked and perverse generation. How are we to live? How are we to live? So we've, this, this course, this class, was developed at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., passed by Mark Dever. And we've used this material before a number of years ago. It's interesting. I still remember some of the feedback we got when we first put it through was that it was just so revolutionary for the people who went through the class because if you're like me, even in various churches, like before I became a pastor, the experience is, the thought is that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you follow Jesus yourself individually, personally, and you can go to church or not go to church. You can attend a church, and if you don't like it, you go attend a different church. You can really be on fire for Jesus and give your best efforts to, you know, maybe in college, give it to Camps Crusade for Christ or InterVarsity or some campus ministry. Or you can really get involved in maybe, maybe a social cause like ending human trafficking. Or you can do all kinds of these other things. And you can give your best energies to all them. Or you can find a church where everybody has the same educational background as you, looks like you, uh, talks like you, has the same hobbies as you, and you find then a church just like that. You don't have to be, you don't have to have anybody that, you know, that's going to kind of rub you the wrong way. You can find those churches. And that's that's how a lot of people have thought about the church. And it still is the case. And it might be a little bit the case for you, like, you're just not used to thinking about how this weird dynamic of different cultural backgrounds, different psychological backgrounds, even different theological backgrounds can come together. And that, that, that dynamic of how those people live together, putting away falsehood, living for and speaking the truth, being mutually members of one another, how that is the primary display of God's glory in this world. And, and for most of us, it's just not on the radar. Church is kind of an optional add-on. Like it's kind of, church is value added, yes. But, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I kind of do my own thing the way I want to do, the way I worship Jesus. And church is a value add. And sometimes it's not that great. Sometimes it's okay but it's not at the core. Whereas we, we're, we'll learn together that no, it is at the core. So that's, that's, um, that's kind of just an intro to the living as the church class. So 
Uh, now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do like uh, I'm just gonna do something interactive just to kind of get a flavor of kind of where everybody's at and to make everybody a little bit uncomfortable. Um, what I want is I just in a second here I would like you just to you can just shout out what is a church denominational background that you have had in your past. Um, you're obviously not there because you're. you're you're not in those churches now because you're sitting here. But what's a church denomination? Or I'll even throw out even maybe a, a religious group background that you have, you've had in the past. And I'm just going to, you don't have to raise your hand. You can just shout them out. And I just want to hear kind of the diversity in this group. So, and if you don't know what it is, that's okay. Just, you know, just say weird church. You know, I, I don't, whatever. Okay. Um, Okay, you gotta give us what that is. Christian Reform Church. Okay, yeah. If you've got an acronym, because there's lots of alphabet stuff, just explain it, because then not everybody knows. Christian Reform Church. Someone else. Okay, Christian Missionary Alliance. Yeah. Presbyterian Church of America. Pentecostals Assemblies of Canada. Yeah, PAOC. Once more. Anglican Protestant. Evangelical Missionary Church. What's that? Plymouth Brethren. Yeah, okay. I'm getting too many. Four Square. Emergent Church. Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholic Church. Anglican Network in Canada. Okay, here we go. Yeah, Mennonite General Conference. Yeah, okay. Need a little bit of Mennonite representation here. There's lots of Mennonites here. It's good. Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Evangelical Free Church, which is always the strangest name Ever, because it sounds like it's free of the evangel, but anyways, there's no evangel there. But I say that because I used to be in the Evangelical Free Church, too. We got married in Evangelical Free Church, Crystal and I. Others? Oneness Pentecostal, yeah. Netherlands Reformed Church, yeah. Excellent. Free Presbyterian Church. Yep. Non-denominational. Yeah, there you go. Sure. A few more. Evangelical Lutheran Church of Canada. Always the question. Is the Evangelical Lutheran Church the Evangelical one? That's always the question. Yeah, yeah, Christian Missionary Alliance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and when we say Baptist, you know, then the question is, which Baptist? Is it Southern Baptist? Is it Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist? Baptist General Conference? Uh, Baptist in England, which is, you know, the, the yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Any others? No more zingers. 
as you can see then, that was, that was a real diversity. And there's probably even more that nobody mentioned. But that's a real diversity of denominational church, religious background that is just here. Right? So how do you get all those people, all you people, how do you get those people now to live as a church together here? It should be the case that you're all at each other's throats. Right? Because obviously all those, all those different churches would cause friction well, this isn't the way we did it at the Christian Reformed Church or Evangelical Free Church or Mennonite Church or, you know. Well, okay. You know, that, that is what could happen. We could all be at each other's throats. We, we could all be frustrated with each other. We could all be uh, unable to live together as a church. Is, is the answer then that we just decide, oh, we're just not going to talk about truth. It has been a strategy employed by a number of churches in the last, I'd say, the last 40 to 50 years, is just let's just not talk about truth. That way we can keep everybody with all their diverse views, we can keep them together because we're not going to talk about anything. We'll keep it, as they say, the lowest common denominator possible, and we won't talk about anything where people then might have to maybe adjust their thinking at all. We don't want to chase anybody away, so we'll just lower the truth factor. Well, no, we want to speak about the truth. We want to put away falsehood, and we want to grow together in speaking the truth and loving each other together. So that's, that just shows then, I think it actually kind of made my point, why we need to learn about living as the church. Because all a whole bunch of you, maybe not everybody, but a whole bunch of you have church experience. And if you've got church experience, that's maybe all that you have ever known about church. You don't know about what to, how, to, how to live as the church differently. Well, then we want to try to seek to think thoughtfully about living as the church together and then have even some of our old ideas reshaped and have them conform to the scriptures. And some things you'll be retaining, and some things you'll see, mm, I don't know if that was right what we used to do. And it's more than, well, what do we want to do then mutually with one another as members of one another? So that's living as a church. Now, afterwards, then you'll be able to ask everybody, oh, yeah, so you went to that church too? Wasn't it crazy back then? Yeah. But the, the other part of living as the church is actually, if I called living as the church that elective, I would call it part two or, or part B of the first part, which is our gospel partnership and baptism class. So we're offering two electives, and the gospel partnership baptism class is really living as the church, but it's how you start. It's the starting point. Now, for many of you with, with a church background, you might, be, you might be thinking, well, yeah, okay, well, I, you know, I'm ready for this living as the church bit because, you know, 
I already, already know about baptism and know about the gospel. But it could be the case that maybe, even though you've got a church background, and it's certainly in this culture, if you've got a church background, you probably need not only to know what it is to be a member of this church, but even prior to that, you actually need to be, get clear on what is the gospel. What is the gospel? And any of you who have been through our membership, you know, if you're a member here, you've, you've been through this. You've been through this. You, you've had to be challenged a little bit. What is the gospel? Do I actually know what the gospel is? Do I know 25% of the gospel? Do I know 50%? Do I actually, can I articulate the gospel in a complete way? And so uh, that's, that's kind of how then to think about the gospel partnership baptism class. Um, one of the things that we'll look at that's, that I like to do in the gospel partnership class is, and, th- and this is the one that I'll be teaching, is specifically asking that question, what is the gospel? And it's, you'd be surprised, and if you've been through it, you'll know this, but you'd be surprised the people that have gone to church for years and years and years and when it comes to articulating what the gospel is, they are a little bit stumped, they can be a little bit paralyzed, and they can be quite unclear about what is the gospel. And yet, if we're a Christian believer, or say we're a Christian believer, we're saying, yes, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So clarifying what is the gospel is a, is a key task for us to take up. Um, now, do I dare put anybody on the spot? Um, maybe if there's a volunteer, someone who knows what I'm, who's been through the, who's been through the gauntlet and can articulate the gospel for us, might have to be an elder, might have to be someone who's really brave, maybe, maybe a young guy in the back, maybe, that I'm looking at, who knows what I'm looking at, or someone else, but, uh, what is the gospel? And I, it's got to be concise. And I'm kind of looking for a series of points there. What is the gospel? Who's going to do it? I, either an elder or that guy in the back. Okay, Michael. You know what? You're, you're looking so sharp this morning. I had, to, I had to ask you. Okay, nice and loud, Michael. I know you're not mic'd. Amen. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll clap for the gospel. That's good. So, if you're, if you're a little bit fuzzy on this, in the foyer, on the way out, you should get, there's a little black tract, this little black booklet, and it is, it's by Greg Gilbert from Louisville, and, and it's called, What is the Gospel? And it might be that you do believe all of that, but probably you're rusty or tongue-tied in actually articulating that 
to someone else. And, and it is something, if you're a Christian believer, to, to know the gospel well enough and, and understand the gospel that you're believing, but also to know it well enough that you can articulate it to someone and share the gospel. And so if you're a little fuzzy on that, I encourage you to get that track. But that's what we talk about in the class is what is the gospel, and we tighten that up. And basically, Gilbert's kind of four points that are just, you know, everybody uses them is there's God, who is God, what has God done, God's the creator, God is the owner, we're all accountable to God, God. Then there's man, God created man, man didn't create himself, or man wasn't created, you know, out of, out of nothing just by, by the Big Bang or some other, uh, you know, material force. But man was created by God, but man fell in sin, so there's a moral problem. Adam sinned, man fell, so there's this problem. We're talking about man creating the image of God, yet fallen, a sinner, and then, of course, because under God, then under God's judgment. So you've got God, man, then there's Christ. Christ is the last Adam. He comes as a true man, God-man. He comes, takes on the sins of his people, takes on the sins of sinners, takes on those sins, is punished for those sins, but in doing so, he is completely obedient to the Father and so renders this perfect righteousness, this, this completely obedient life that we can't render because we're sinners. So he provides two things. He provides both a positive righteousness and he also takes the sins of the sinner upon himself. But of course, how do you access this? Well, you must believe in him. So it's God, man, Christ, and response. You're under obligation to believe the gospel. You're under obligation to believe in Jesus Christ. If you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, then the appropriation of that righteousness credited to your account and the, your own sins, past, present, and future, are put upon Jesus Christ. That's how you access is by trusting him. And it's ironic even, some of you here today, you've come here this morning and you're still struggling with whether or not Jesus has forgiven your sins. You think, oh, well, he's forgiven the past sins, but he hasn't forgiven future sins. I've got to kind of, you know, grip my teeth and try to be as awesome as I can. No, no, he's he's forgiven your sins. Now, we do confess our sins regularly. And we, we want to appropriate then that forgiveness, but he's forgiven if you're a Christian believer. Now, all of this is dependent on that response. Putting your faith exclusively in Christ alone. If you're putting your faith in Christ and in some other kind of performance, whether a religious performance or some type of personal performance, that's not the gospel. You must trust in Christ exclusively. But God, man, Christ, and response. And so then you getting handy, getting skillful at knowing that so that you're believing it, but also that you're able to articulate it to others. That's, that's what being a Christian is. That's bearing witness. And so we talk about that in the gospel partnership class. And you're thinking, yeah, well, I've already gone through that. Well, the living as a church is going to be a reminder of that, but also I just want to remind you regardless this morning. In the foyer, after church, in the courtyard, I just want to encourage you, take every opportunity 
to try to segue your conversation to talk about the gospel with Christians. It'll help you to then be able to share the gospel with non-Christians. If you won't just naturally talk about the goodness of the gospel and what Christ has done with Christians, chances are you're not going to talk to non-Christians about it. You just won't, you won't be ready. You're not, you don't have the muscles developed. But if, but if our conversation, and you can talk about the weather, or you can talk about the sports, you can talk about whatever, but if you can segue it within the context of actually talking about the gospel and do so in a very natural way, you will then more likely be able to bear testimony in that way to non-Christians. Um, if you think, oh, well, I never talk about Jesus at church, and then you're going to suddenly, oh, I've got to witness at work, <laughs> it isn't going to happen, right? You just haven't practiced, you know. But then, and that's also how we mutually encourage one another. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to think about Jesus in light of all this. I need to think about what Christ has done, you know. I'm upset at the government. Well, yeah, okay, I'm upset at the government. Yeah, but did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Oh, yeah, he did, right. Yeah, I kind of forgot that for a second. Kind of acting as if Jesus isn't around or he's not there or he's not ruling and reigning. I'm acting as if he's, he's not coming again to judge the living and the dead. I'm acting as if it's all hopeless. Oh, oh, no. Oh, I remember the gospel. Oh, yes. Okay, now I know what actually really matters is the difference between heaven and hell, which I'm going to preach on later. So, once we understand what is the gospel then we're in a position to look at then what is it then to appropriate that, to believe in the gospel, and then in connection with that then is understanding baptism. And just, just as one more text, just a reference, one that we look at quite a bit is Romans chapter 6. And it's just a good, it's just a good reminder. We'll look at it in my class, but I'm going to share it with everybody and I'm just going to read um, a little bit the, the first 11 verses. Just, just even, I think it's edifying for everybody here. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Oh, and I just, I mean, this is just maybe obvious, but we have, we have these blue pew Bibles in the pew that you can use. You can always look on your phone, but I'm just going to encourage each, I'm, like, I, I, you know, I'm into more just coming out and telling everybody. I just encourage you, if you've got a chance to look something up or somebody mentions something to look up, look it up. You, you, you know, maybe you're just saying, well, I'm just an auditory listener. Well, okay, and that's fine. But, but look it up so that you can actually find it and look at it later in your own Bible or you can see it in the Bible or you find it in your phone that you're using that app all the time. The familiarity of that is a good thing. Uh, so I just encourage you, when you've got a chance, go ahead and open up and look. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Speaking of Christian believers. By no means. How can we, speaking of Christian believers, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that, that last phrase, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, is actually what then the gospel partnership and baptism is about. It's about b- believing in Jesus Christ and this transition from being, from being dead in sin, you know, being, being dead in sin and moving and now being dead to sin, I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to Christ Jesus. And that move from being dead in sins, you're switching. I'm not, I'm not dead in sins. I'm dead to sin. It's sin, you are dead to me. You know how people say it. You're, you're dead to me. It means you're not going to be friends anymore, right? I'm not going to be friends with you, sin. I'm dead to you now, and now I'm alive, alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that transition... It's a move then from being under wrath to being under grace. That move is then likened by Paul to being like dying with Christ because there's this death and then rising with Christ. And so being buried, as it were, with Christ and being raised up with Christ symbolically, well then that is then how then in, the, in, in baptism, in water baptism, there is then this symbolic dying as we immerse somebody in the water and raising them up out of the water, they're raised up to walk in newness of life. Now, the baptism, the water itself, does not make that transfer. The water itself and that process is the representation of a spiritual reality that has happened in someone's life, where they have moved from being under wrath to being under grace, moving, moved from not believing to believing, moved from not having a destiny of going to heaven to knowing that they are going to heaven and believing in him. So that's, that's what we talk about, is that movement. And, and so... And this will be, I'll just maybe pitch this to everybody here, because next Sunday you're going to decide which class you, you should be going to, but I'm just going to suggest, if, you are, if you're new here, uh, and depending on where you're, where you're coming from, your background, if you have questions about baptism, well, you should certainly come to the baptism membership class. If you're someone who you're not sure about when if you profess to be a Christian, you're not sure about when you became a Christian. And did you go through some type of ceremony? Maybe, you know, you quote-unquote got baptized, you know, in, in, as a teenager or something, but you actually didn't believe the gospel. 
well then that you should come you should come to this this class and it's going to be I keep pointing over here it's over at Luther Hall that's where we're going to meet for my class um, next Sunday and this is this is a this is a thing that even in the New Testament they 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 actually didn't have to face in those early days where we have lots of quote-unquote churches around that people can be a part of but they might not have the gospel or they might not actually be sharing the gospel well or they might not be thinking about who's getting baptized and be thinking about that very well and so we want to be concerned with is someone who is to be baptized in this church do they believe the gospel do they know the gospel and do they believe the gospel are they truly believing in jesus christ now sometimes as there's people going to get baptized on the 17th sometimes some folks well they're just you know they're just not sure they're just not sure about when they came to faith in christ it's confusing and sometimes they but they're pretty sure Maybe I didn't believe the gospel, but I did go through this kind of water baptism ceremony. But I wasn't a Christian. Well, then, then we would say, well, actually, that water thing that happened back there, that actually wasn't a baptism. That was just a ceremony. That was just a ritual. I mean, I, I, you know, I was uh, christened in the Anglican church. Um, I didn't really have anything to do with it, uh, but, I, but I was. And it was a water ceremony. It was called a baptism of sorts. But in my view, biblically speaking, I would say I wasn't baptized until, um, until I was 19 when I got baptized in the Highwood River after I repented of my sin and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for the, for the first time in a real way and I actually understood the gospel and I put away falsehood and I sought the truth and so there had to be that move and so I praise God for his grace in my life that he was undeservedly gracious to me I, or I didn't deserve it he's gracious to me in saving me but then I got baptized as a profession of that faith and this is I'll tell the story again next week but this is just the I'll just tell my own baptism story it's a little bit funny so um when I first came to faith in Christ, uh, my mom was going to a small, some of you know, the little church in Blackie, uh, just south of Calgary, and there was a preacher there named George Hench, and uh, George was, I likened him to like a, a minor prophet, you know, it was very much turn or burn, was, there's no gray area, just, you know, uh, you know, I still remember him saying in an application, you need to stop running with the dogs you've been running with. And, and I'd been running with the dogs, and I just realized, no, I can't hang out with these guys anymore. And uh, through various, various means, through, through uh, in particular my grandmother giving me an NIV study Bible for my 19th birthday, I started reading the Bible. And I was at a low point. There's different things the Lord was doing. As a low point, I started reading the Bible. Uh, I've told it many times. I started reading the NIV study Bible notes first because they were easier for me. I read the notes. And then after a while, I started reading the actual text. Uh, so always backwards for me. And then, and then reading the Bible, and then I started listening to preachers on the radio on 1140 out of High River, the, you know, the, the preacher station, or at least back then. There was no internet. 
you know, I'm old enough. There's no internet. It's just, you know, 1140. So listen to MacArthur, John MacArthur, Chuck Swindoll, J. Vernon McGee on the radio. And so after work, I'd, I'd listen to these preachers on the radio and kind of try to follow along my Bible, just on my own. And then I heard this, this preaching. I wasn't going to church, but I heard this preaching on the radio, and then I believe it was maybe a MacArthur sermon. There was, there was an invitation to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ after having walked through uh, the first few chapters of Romans. And just I was reading my Bible there, and I just looked up. I was just in my room reading the Bible, and I just looked up, and I said, Here I am, Lord. I hope you take care of me. And, and he has. He has. And, and from that point on, no fireworks, no, you know, nothing, no, no lightning bolt out of the sky, nothing, you know, like, I just kept reading and kept listening to the radio. But then I went then that Sunday to the little country church where George Hench was the preacher and, you know, and, and that was then the beginning then of, of a number of months of, of him discipling me and me, me hearing the word preached. And then I was planning to go away to Bible college that fall and uh, I, I hadn't been baptized. So then we had this baptism out west of High River in the Highwood River. And I just remember when it was, came time for me having made my profession of faith and talk, shared my testimony. And George, he led me down into the water. And then when he you know, he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he put me into the cold Highwood River, and he just held me there. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to drown, but he just held me there, you know, kind of make sure it was for sure. And then he pulled me up, and I was like... But it wasn't as if the efficacy of the cold Highwood River is what was going to keep me a Christian. It's Jesus Christ himself. And, and so I thank the Lord for calling me to himself because I, I, just, I wouldn't be here. Uh, my wife and I have said many times, like, if, if, if Jesus didn't save me, none of, like, our family w- wouldn't be a family. We wouldn't be here. And, and you, you can say the same. So you see then that epic event of conversion of true belief in Jesus Christ changes everything. And so baptism, though, baptism is not merely then something that's private, but it is actually public. And so it's articulating, it's showing what has happened personally. And it's displaying that for everyone to see. It's a church ordinance, and it is actually the gateway into the local church. So that's what we want to look at, is what is the gospel, what is baptism, and then even for those who have been baptized as Christian believers, then to be able to look at, then what is it to then be a church member? What is it to be what we call a gospel partner? And this is the last thing I'll say, and then I'm going to conclude, uh, is we talk about gospel partnership here. It's just church membership. But, and church membership, it's a great term, being a member of the body of Christ. I used it. We are members of one another, Ephesians 4.25. The reason we use gospel partnership, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1 next week, we'll, we'll mention it, is simply because the metaphor of membership 
that the Bible uses is often confused today. Because what happens when you go and you buy a Costco card? Some of you heard me say this. You, you buy a Costco membership, right? You pay, your, you pay your money to go to Costco. And then if you're maybe a man like myself, you try never ever to go there. You're, you've got a membership there. <laughs> I paid my dues, but I don't have to go. And that's how people view the church. Oh, well, maybe I've given a little bit of money, or I'm a member, but I don't have to go, or I don't have to do anything. I don't have to participate. I don't, I, I don't you know, but I, but I, oh yeah, I am a member. Well, no, no, we want to think of it more in terms of we are partners one with another. We are go- partners in the gospel for the advance of the gospel. It's participatory. And that's all we want to emphasize. So that's gospel partnership. So those are the two classes coming up. So if you're newer or you have questions about baptism, uh, maybe you're a new Christian, maybe you're not a Christian, then I just encourage you to come next week to Luther Hall. You can come up the steps and it's in that, that room over there. And for everyone else, you'll be looking at living as the church, which I, I'm going to tell you, it actually will be very illuminating considering all the denominational backgrounds we have here. It'll be really helpful for you to think about how to start living as the church, which is what we desperately need in this generation. So uh, with that, um, the kids, when the kids getting out, Michael, do you know? Around this time. 10.30. Okay. I was just going to see if I could have a do I got time for one question? Okay, one question, maybe a question if you got one, maybe one, two questions, and then uh, and then I will kick us loose to get your kids. Feel free to come and ask me uh, questions afterwards. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna uh, enjoy fellowship together as we get ready for the main service, and you can go down and get your kids. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love and grace toward us. Even as I've recounted uh, you saving me, uh, it's all of grace. It's your undeserved favor. Help us never to forget that, Lord. That is, by your condescension, you, you, you don't have to save anyone. But that you would save us that we would then be ambassadors of your salvation, ambassadors of reconciliation in this crooked and perverse generation, Lord. We thank you for that. But help us then, as your church, to be this primary display of your glory, even as we show love for you and love for one another, and so bear testimony to a loveless world that we can even love our enemies. Lord, we want to be truth-tellers. We want to speak the truth into this world. Give us your grace to do that. We just pray that these Sunday school classes would help us to this end. Now, as we get ready for the main service, as we seek to hear your word, oh Lord, help us to be clear about the truth of the gospel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've got uh, about... 15-20 minutes uh, of fellowship before the main service, but I invite you to go get your kids, and we'll continue soon.